season five, episode twenty-five of the Deep Coded mm-hmm. Podcast. Mm-hmm. It is. How are you today? I'm good. I'm hydrated. I'm hydrating. Oh, no summative. No summative. That's the maybe that could be our part of a thing. It's not a summative. I'm hydrating. I'm hydrating as well. Hydrating, not Isn't hydrated. That, I know we talked about this on the uh, the on ramp. I wake up this morning and I'm like, something weird. This week has been weird. I don't. I have not been hydrating mm-hmm. the way that I was before the break, which is really weird. Because, but there were a lot of things that were different during the break, like my sleeping changed, mm-hmm. wake up time changed, routines changed. Now. I know some people would argue just keep the same routine. I didn't want to. I actually thought about that. I didn't want to. Um, I'm a go with the flow type of guy when it comes to the breaks that I get. And um, if I need extra sleep or I just don't want to wake up in the morning and do the things that I would normally do during work time, that's okay with me. I don't need the, well, I mean, now I'm thinking, I'm talking about, I'm like, yeah, it's going to suck waking up really early on Monday morning, but why, why? Because I would rather just not have my, my, uh, smartwatch wake me up. I would rather just wake up when my body says it's time to get up. That's why. So I like, I like that mention about changing your routines, changing your routines. And I'm, not so, I'm not so hardcore right now. This week, I did not follow my the routines that were established before this week started. You think your routines are hardcore? Is that how you sort of envision them? The routines that... During the work you, week? Yes. They are, right? Kind of, because a lot hinges on certain things. Like, I usually wake up my family at a particular time every day. Mm-hmm. And on the days where I don't wake them up, at certain times, like let's say snow days, for example, which are rare, right? Snow day will happen because I get the notification because I'm up that early. I just keep living the life. I don't wake anybody up. And then when they do wake up, they're discombobulated. They're looking around. They're like, what's going on here? I slept in like an extra 45 minutes. I was like, there was no reason to wake you up. But there's still this like, there's still this like idea of, like betrayal, like you betrayed me. And I'm like, there was no reason for me to, to follow the routine anymore because mm. it's a snow day, which means none of us are going anywhere. I don't like managing other people's routines. I really <laughs> do not like it, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I don't either. I'll say, yeah, I'll say as it, and that's what, that's my first reaction to what you're saying there. I do not like managing other people's routines now i i can't i guess abandon so so here's why it gets messy right dad husband me teacher several other intersections i do not uh, i have such a bad relationship with this type of thinking because my mind goes to i would my mind more falls to this sense of I will I'll abandon you if you're not following your routines like that's it and I'm 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 putting words to it even though I don't know if they're the right words so okay so I'm kind of working this out live right now I would sooner abandon someone and think to myself they weren't prepared they weren't ready 
They didn't bring the right equipment. They didn't think this through. Judgy, 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 judgy. It is unnatural. It's like I, I, raised by wolves. <laughs> so I'm just saying, that's my T-shirt today. Raised by wolves. Um, you know, born, boom, has a beard, ready to work, ready to face the world. Right? That, that there's Clough, raised by wolves. But when I, if I'm, if I'm digging into my baseline right now, as as Chris, which is the let's say one of the innermost parts of my core, from which other things come out, being a teacher, being a dad, whatever. Um, I would sooner, I would abandon you. I would, I would abandon you and just, you know, um, and I don't know if, I don't know if I have a secondary system, like, well, I hope someone finds them along the road. You know, I don't even think that I'm like, nope, autonomy, move forward. You were prepared. And I think part of that, part of that thinking also makes it difficult for me to accept help as in, I would, I would sooner also wish to be abandoned than to slow the team down. So as a teacher, that's challenging. That's a challenging mindset, right? Because it's a really fringe edge kind of mindset of account of, of accountability, right? Like, um, how do you, how do you work with, and you know, the littles or the, or the kindies or like, you know, the juniors or individuals that are in need of mentorship. I'm sorry, that's probably why I'm not a very good mentor. Or I'm not a good mentor in, let's say, a, a, let's say a, a textbook way, because I, like my abandonment issues are like I'm willing to abandon others in order to sort of see the project through, see the task through. I also accept, I think within this, it gets complex real quick. This is the last thing I'll do before I get, I'm going to go back into my hydration process here. Um, I also can accept individuals that enter and ed exit um, projects, moments, parts of my life as in, I sort of look at it as they're sort of choosing to either be with or not be with. So what I mean by this is you're in a classroom, it's an artificial setting of compliance. I am told that within this space, my role is to be like, I have fiduciary responsibility to make sure I'm the parent when there's no parent there. So that is a very specific and powerful statement about where, I, where and when and what I have to be in that classroom. And the system and no other teacher, no one else in Aunt Ed would probably allow me to sound, kind of go, well, eh, let's see how this goes. Like, that's just not an accepted kind of way, right? Um, and developmentally, depending on where your students are, where, you know, I go up and down, but it can be left and right. Like, developmentally is like this 3D kind of modeling. If I'm not using my resources to support developmental growth or change or improvement or even just um, compassionate therapeutic connection, then I'm not fulfilling an element of my role in that classroom. But on my baseline, I will tell you, I am, I am, I do, I, I push against, I have to notice and push against that moment of like, screw you, you got to do this on your own. It's a very, it's a challenging kind of like mindset, I think. Um, and, uh, I'm going to stop and take a sip. Good idea. I have to tell you that um, I got a great story for you. So um, six, my son sometimes has 6.30 a.m. hockey practices. And so I, I'm not here at that time to wake anybody up. Neither is he. We're awake really early and we're gone. So the one day I'm at the rink, so I, I tell everybody, like I tell my wife, hey, I'm not going to be here tomorrow morning, so you're on your own. 
uh, tell my oldest, be prepared for your mom to come busting down your door and say, let's go get out of bed. And um, so I'm at the rink and it's like seven o'clock and I get a text from my wife and it says, are you dead? So I respond and I'm like, I'm not dead. What's going on? She's like, are you still in the basement? Because that's where the exercise machine is. And I've been known to wake up early and go exercise. But I'm usually done by 6.30 when I'm waking everybody up and move on with my day. So she wakes up on her own and she's like, he must be dead in the basement because he's not up here and it's like 7 o'clock. So I respond, I'm like, no, I'm not dead. Why do you ask? She goes, are you still in the basement? And I respond, I'm like, no, I'm at the rink. And she's like, oh, my God, I totally forgot. So she, obviously, she woke up, right, to get ready for work. But talk about, like, just living in another universe at that moment in time. I'm looking at my phone, and I'm and I'm thinking, like, I'm wondering – there's lots of things I'm wondering, but like, no, I'm not dead. I'm not in the basement. I'm actually talking to a bunch of parents watching the kids play hockey. And then she responds with, holy cow, I'm sorry. Um, I totally forgot there was hockey. I thought you were on the machine checking in because normally you're up here at this time. Which like all of that kind of sucks. One part of that is... What if I decided that day I was like feeling really good and I wanted to keep going, right? Like, do I need to stop everything, wake everybody up, go back down? Like, so there are parts of this that I don't particularly like, but there are parts of it that are part of the routine and I just go with the flow of the routine. Um, And that's, like I said, the routine's not, it's been a different routine this week. It's not the same routine. It's a different routine. It's routine B rather than routine A. And it's that's interesting too because I seem to flip, right? Like there is there tends to be now that I look at it when when you know we have breaks from school, from work, um I we in this house tend to shift to a whole other routine. So I'm going to call that routine B. And routine A is what it looks like when everybody has to wake up in the morning and go somewhere, be somewhere. Very interesting stuff. So I'm not that bothered. I mean, one one time long ago, I would probably be bothered about routine B. Now I'm not. I'm like, this is what routine B is. And I'm okay with it. I don't, if I need to change it, I will, but I'm okay with it. Um... I saw you post up, I think, on Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, somewhere. I know you told me that you had a chat with your wife and she would like some more time during the spring break. She's not ready for it to end. And I think you you tweeted out something about that. I'll tell you, I'm not ready for it to end either. I would like more time. I feel like this week did go by relatively fast. I would like more time. We do have some listeners today. If they want to chime in, um, say something in the chat around whether, hey, if their teacher's great, they can tell us if how this break has flown by for them or not flown by for them. And if they're not teachers, we'd love to hear their perspective. But um, I, I'd like more time, please. Can we do that? 
Can we just say I'd like more time, please? You're muted, Clough, which is rare. Rare. <laughs> it's rare. Don't I bet don't don't put Chris in a corner. Um so yeah, it's I don't I don't. I've it's funny, I don't want more time. I don't want more time. And it it kind of it, it, you know, we in the on ramp, maybe at the beginning of this, I've already forgotten 12 minutes in. I don't remember what we talked about at the beginning, but the whole I don't want more, I don't want more. I we were talking a little bit about that the dopamine drip, right? Like that sort of landing on these big summative moments, um, and landing in the big summative moments and not spending, I don't want to use the word spending, not living. In those moments, and I'm not going to try and make this ex too exist ex existential around, you know, living in the moment. But I think what you mentioning the changing of routines, I think for me, the changing of the routines somehow builds the FOMO mindset that comes along with living for summative moments. And it goes back to even the whole protect the weekend stuff. And it's funny because for me, the, the whole statement of protect the weekend, there's a bit of irony there because my students, I used it. I started using this with my students. Protecting protecting the weekend is, is about getting the work done in the moment that you have with the resources that are available to you. And in doing so, in doing so, that one of the net results is that you can have weekend time anytime, anytime at all, which means you can have March break time anytime. Now I get it. It's nice to be able to stretch out the legs and get a little bit more, you know, leg room on that. But ultimately, I think, and so I'm going to make a bunch of connections here, and then you, 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 you mute me, or I'll just forget to unmute myself, right? So um, we've recently just got a new car. Okay, so we've just picked up a new car. It is a bigger version, not a bigger version. Okay, so we've gone from a Tucson to a Santa Fe. So Tucson, for any of the Hyundai drivers out there, great car. We had this one since 2007. Like this car, that car, I was getting teary yesterday, bro. I was getting teary. No joke. It wasn't about the car. Here's the thing. Here's what I'm going to hit you with. It was about the journey that that car took me on. And I told you about this. And I'm going to get choked right now. You know what I found? I got to post up this picture. I found in the Tucson, as I'm sort of like cleaning it out, you know, you, you clean out the stuff, right? And I'm not, I'm not a big, I don't, I'm not a car detail guy. Like, I don't really care if my car's clean. Sorry, passengers. I don't care. Am I intentionally trashing it and throwing garbage around? No, but I'm not a details guy for cleaning the car. So go figure. I'm taking out, like I take out the, the safety kit that was in the back. I unplugged my, like this thing had a CD player, right? There was no Bluetooth on this. So I had like a, a car adapter, Bluetooth thing, so it play through the radio. It's Frankenstein, Frankenstein, right, of a setup. But it worked great until it didn't. So we decided to get a new vehicle. So yesterday, I'm getting the last bits out of it. You know what I found in the back? Any uh, any fans out there? Um, I found a, a, a sponge headrest that had a Velcro attachment to it. And this, this headrest is from two two um booster chairs not so car seats that i bought which i had to drive to barry to to get because they were so hard to find so this brand is sunshine kids and we we're like do we want to spend all the money on this because they were just really great they were fantastic fantastic car seats 
So I'm I'm I I reach underneath one of the the chairs and I find this sponge head thing and I remember when it went missing. I remember when it went missing. So instead we put towels. You remember I don't know if you ever did this. You kind of put towel in the in the headrest for the kids so that they're not kind of bouncing around. Now again, not entirely necessary. This was a bit of a, a deluxe model of a car seat. Like there were other things, you know, neither of my kids' heads were bouncing around as a general practice, but one went missing, right? And I can remember when I sold them, I actually didn't give the other, I I, I threw out the other Velcro sponge thing because I didn't want someone to crash the deal and say, well, you've got a head one, where is it, right? So yeah, sorry, whoever person <laughs> I threw the other one out just so it didn't look inconsistent but dude I'm taking this thing out from underneath one of the seats and I'm starting to weep and it's not it's just it's it's so nuts but I'm sitting there as I'm giving this I'm, I'm sort of prepping this vehicle to go into palliative care because that's really what it is they gave us some chunk of change for it but like 18 no what 2007 what is that 15 16 years old I'm probably not doing the math right. 17 years old, 16. So um, it's ready to be done, right? And I'm holding the stupid, the stupid spongy headrest and I'm getting teary. No one's come out yet. I'm just doing the last details. Karen's going to be coming out in a moment because we were driving over yesterday morning. So I've got these feels about everything that's happened in that car, the pickups, the drop-offs, the family trips that we've taken, the... The moments of dealing, you know, because the car is also like that sometimes secret space where you can just go and sit and deal away from people. Big emotion, small motion, any of the sort of like posts that I've put up. Um, the trying to figure out how will the question that happens sometimes with vehicles, will this actually fit in the car? Like everyone's if you've had a vehicle, you go through these things, right? Um, the people that I've driven in there the you know the the journeys i've gone individually the me and karen just going on dates when the kids can then stay home and it's like so so much of this stuff and it's flowing through my mind and it kind of pauses we drop the car off we leave we're good we get the new vehicle and as i'm driving home i'm sitting there in the in the in the new vehicle and there's a whole lot of leg space whole lot of leg space there so it's a far more comfortable you know we have more space to move around and I can't help but think because I'm sitting there, but it's still about where this vehicle will take me. It's not about that I actually have more comfortable space and, oh, look, I don't have to like plug in four cords to make my iPhone work on the actual uh, thing. That's nice. But it's still about, you know, in 15 years from now, you know, when I kind of cue into these memories, when I hit that summative moment of having to trade or sell this Santa Fe, Will I have better feels about the sort of like the moments in the story, right? Will I have those connections to the moments of the story? We could call it nostalgia, sure. But I will tell you, every single one of the reasons that that moment, as I'm pulling garbage out of the, out of the Tucson, the reason that it hit me so hard is because every single one of those memories was vivid and I knew that I was there. I knew that I was there for every one of those moments. Um, funny enough, I also found like, uh, like it, on the kid's side, so in the back seat, right at the bottom. So what would be the arm co console to the driver? On the back side of it, right down near the bottom, there was a compartment you could pull out. Didn't even know that was there. 17, 16 years I had this vehicle. Did not know that that compartment was there. And inside, when I popped it open, 
it still had um like this sort of like like a product sticker in there it was so whacked so whacked so even in sort of like as the tucson's leaving my life it's funny so here's the end of this metaphor even as this tucson is leaving my life it's still teaching me stuff that i actually no matter how deep that experience was i still didn't learn everything about it it was like a little little bit of a zinger on the tail end dude there was still stuff hidden as in that you know it's hidden that you thought was lost forever and that also you didn't learn everything that you thought like you thought that you learned everything about this vehicle but you didn't this little sort of pull out compartment what would have been more hilarious or just more rich is if i opened it up and there was something in it like from when the kids were really really young because kids will do that right here's a good spot to put a piece of lego but i would have just been lying on the grass crying at that point like karen would have come out like where the hell did you go where the hell did you go last thing i'll say is that thing about um you being noticed that you're not in the house <laughs> i love that and that's actually happened a few times with karen and i like i'll get the text and it's just like hello and it's because she's walked through the house and like i'm not there i'm off somewhere you know i'm gassing up a car or i've gone for a coffee or i grabbed my camera and gone wandering in the forest which you know in retrospect maybe it's not the best idea really like i should tell someone if i'm going in the forest but i do i like that moment of like where's clough <laughs> i actually i'll at some point i'll share a story just about the where's clough and how that sort of played out in school kind of in a funny way um yeah that's all i got awesome well there's a couple <laughs> things i want to say the first is um i'm sure your family's gotten used to perhaps getting up walking around not finding you because it tends, part of your routine tends to be to get out of the house in the morning. So I imagine, um, I imagine that that's normal in your house. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is I so badly want to make fun of you and laugh about your car attachment, but I can't because I'm the same way. And I remember. <laughs> it's so, a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing, especially like, so, um, my first car that I actually paid for, like myself, um, had it for a couple of years. And then Sarah was driving it and she got T-boned. And I'll never forget going to pick her up and seeing the car like just mangled. And I was like, oh man. And then I remember they towed it to the wreckers. And then I had to go and get stuff out of it. I'll never forget going through that car and just like, every nook and cranny right there were hockey cards and like you said like little lego men it's just stuff that was stuffed all over the place in that car and then um my last car i'll never forget i took it in for service and when i went to get it they're like yeah we can't give it back to you because it's not safe there was an issue there was a recall and it was one of those things where they're like we'll pay you for the car but we're not going to fix it I was like, I literally brought my car in for an oil change and now you're not giving it back to me. And they're like, that's right. And that was, imagine that was like a sudden, well, same with the accident, but that was totally unexpected, right? You didn't get a chance to say goodbye. Not the way that I would have liked, but yeah, I did spend yeah. a lot of quality time in it uh, moving forward because it was just, it's literally, they like, here's the other thing too. They took it, they parked it by the dumpster. Right, because oh. they're like, we got nowhere to put the car. I'm like, by the dumpster. So, uh, you're gonna do me like that? Yeah, you're gonna do me, like, me that? like that. I'll never forget. <laughs> I was literally like, it was raining outside. 
it was like a weekend afternoon i'm i'm literally going through something and the service the lady help the lady helping me the service agent is walking from the dealership to her car which is parked near the dumpster i guess that's where they put all the if it's not if it's not a car that we're trying to sell it's going by the dumpster and she's like what's going on i'm like i'm just cleaning out the car she's like for the third time i'm like it's a slow release like i couldn't do it all in one shot i need to take time with the car and then her and i were just chatting about how they were doing me like that and she even agreed she's like i'm sorry you know i'm just the service person i got this isn't from me it's not even from them and i'm like i don't care who it's from i hate you all kind of thing but um i get it i get it um we do have a message from michelle who's a teacher she says she's finishing her pqp she's getting ready for a move and they just had a hockey tournament so she would love more time to this break mm -hmm. i get the functional i totally i get the functional as in it's um it's part of my question into the twitter sphere is how do you know and that was that was intentional it's kind of like how do you know when you've had enough and i get it that um and michelle i get this too like there's this whole there's things that um when i'm presented with you know i'll use classroom terminology here unstructured time um when i'm presented with unstructured time i tend i think my baseline is not to protect it and keep it as a kind of a movable tile like okay i've kind of like i've kind of like i can bank it my default generally is just to fill it so i don't i don't have a lot of really free unstructured time like i i, I because my brain i opportunize it i say okay i'm going to get this thing done so even in the um even if like so I never come upon a moment of free time. Like I don't come upon a free moment of time too often where I'm like, aha, now I can get to that thing that I wanted to get to. I th I'm more of the mindset that I'm always just kind of scheduling and putting things in and kind of like trying to follow my, my, my own rigor, let's say. Now, you and I were talking about mental wellness, you know, hydration and, you know, those sort of like things that, that we know we should be doing as dads as 40 somethings as now 50 somethings like just kind of those things i get it like um me holding to a list every once in a while i should be looking at this like cluff hey, how can you actually make your health better right so i'm talking specifically let's say with the march break time i get that um we can have a lot of events that we need to kind of we we can't have the um the obstruction of work right we can't have the obstruction of work because sometimes these projects take you had some projects in the last you know last week or so like you needed long span sort of stretches of time that if you had the work day in there and the task had, had to be done then you would still have to get that thing done you would just be starting at four o'clock which again adjusts the schedule all the way around um i think what i i think what i was what i started to think about is that by default statement that shoo made it to the weekend or shoo now i have a full march break to do something with 
And then the you don't you don't get the shoo. Now I get to go back and I'm totally making up that sound, but it's like the whoo. Like we somehow know when we need a break. What's the parallel of now I need to not be on break? Um, and for me, uh, I guess, I guess, like I don't, I don't, I don't need more break. I don't need more break. And this came to mind actually yesterday. Um, you know, my family is saying things like, wow, this break went so fast. It went so fast. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think it did. And then they kind of shifted, they shifted and they said, oh, but it was so full. And I kind of like, well, no, it just had about the right amount of stuff in there. Like I'm just so opposite thinking, but I think part of what I'm avoiding is that spiking effect that comes along with, um, I only enjoy or I can only enjoy or I can only maximize myself in summative moments in my life. Like I'm trying to keep that bandwidth just a little bit narrower and thicker with stuff happening in there than sort of saying, now I get free time. Now I don't have free time. Now I have to go back to work. Now I get some time off from work. Um, and the whole sort of protect the weekend for me is, is about assuring that I have some of that good stuff and work stuff. Sorry, the work stuff is even good stuff, but making sure that I'm, I'm working on, I'm doing the work to make sure that even the work stuff is good stuff. And I think that I should be looking forward to going to, in this, in the same way that I'm looking forward to going towards a weekend. I'm, I'm constantly assessing that I'm also enjoying being able to go back to work. Um, and that was my kind of realization. Um, in its, I would say often when I get to spots where I'm not enjoying work for me, for me, it's because I've kind of, stopped working on it and told myself now I deserve some downtime. Um, now I deserve a weekend. I tend to come back from that in the same way that I would say, um, <clears throat> Oh yes. Now I need to eat a whole bag of chips. Then I eat that whole bag of chips. I'm like, well, that wasn't what was all cracked up to be. <laughs> so now all I've done is eaten a bag of chips, but I feel like no better at the tail end of the chips. I'm just fuller, <laughs> bloated. So I don't know if I got to any space like that, but I do appreciate what Michelle's kind of saying there for sure. And I get everyone else's family configuration. Everyone's got a different approach to that for sure. I've gotten to a point. Yeah. yeah so you, sorry, I thought you were giving me a prompt. No, no, go, for it. go for uh, it. I've gotten to a point, gone to a point from losing friends and family that I'm grateful, <coughs> excuse me, grateful for every day, thankfully. But having extra time is wonderful during extra busy moments in my life. And, and I get that. I get that, Michelle. It's the word extra, eh? Because I think the extra plays into my question, how do you know? Like, how do you really know? Extra somehow suggests to me that there's a, there's a measure of maybe you're not, it's, you're, it, that uh, maybe, not speaking for Michelle, for me, <clears throat> there's no extra time. You've, you've got 24 hours. If we, if we, if we sort of speak to, if we speak to what we've come to understand of as the universe, and we're not going to get into multiverses here, right? You have 24 hours. If I was really pithy, you know, sharp, I would say you have X number. There's, cause there's that quote, you have X number of seconds in the day, you know, and whatever that is, the number is somehow to make you feel better because, you know, lots of seconds looks more better than only 24 hours, right? It's like that thick wallet false 
the equivalency of look how rich I am. And it's filled with like a hundred one dollar bills. Woo. Right. That doesn't even get you dinner out sometimes. My fam, geez, I'm soaking that in one visit to McDonald's. But like that's that the extra time. And I don't want to have that. I do, I don't want that experience anymore of having to address it as extra time. I want it to be rich, dense, useful time. Though I get that mindset, but because I'm trying to shift away from looking at it as extra. I don't want to see it as a gift. I, I want to stop looking at it as a gift. I want to be able to making functional, just rich use of the time that I have. It's funny. Uh, this is this is a measure of how well I think I know you. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I read Michelle's comment, I knew I knew what you were going to do with that extra time um, idea because I've gotten to know you over the years and I've heard your perspective on that. I again, I wanna I wanna joke and uh, push back on you, but I can't because I've kind of adopted a little bit of that too. Um, the time it's key. She meant she happen. mentioned losing friends. Now I don't know if that that in that in that measure that I get the having. Um, I don't. I get that from losing friends. Um, I think my connection to that. I'll just. I'll. I'll say this, and I'm. I'm happy to share my story with Michelle if she wants to reach out. But the when when my father died, when my father died. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should have prefaced that statement with a trigger warning. But I'm, here's the connection I'm making. I'm taking Michelle's statement of losing friends as as very concrete, as in there have. I'll take it as people have died, only because that's where it lands with me. She might just be talking about like where do they go? Like I no longer have extra time to spend with my friends. I'll take it as losing a family member. When that happened, I went through a whole process of making sure that I was not making sure, but I, I had to bring myself through a process to accept that what I wanted, the definition of time that I wanted wasn't the definition. I was no longer, I was no longer um, able to define what time meant. It was out of my hands. So all I could do was just exist in the time that was there. And in doing so, you know, I took intentional steps to sort of um, have conversations and specific connected moments with my dad. Um, there was still pain on the end, but I, I, I didn't come out of it. Um, I came out of it knowing that asking for extra time was not a reasonable path for me to have more time with my dad. It was, there, it wasn't a reasonable explanation just for me in that particular moment. But I think that changed me. I think that's, if I, um, and thank you for this, Michelle, because I don't think I connected these dots up to this very moment. The whole idea of protecting the weekend, I think was probably, it was seminal coming out of the, the time that I had with my dad um, just prior to his death and making sure that, because that very much was every day really was go to work, support the family, try and get something to eat, drive to another city, spend time there, spend time with my fam, and then come home and kind of come back and do work. And um, I think that, I think still within that, um, I made sure I still, you know, I played a little video games. I played with my kids. I got that Starbucks coffee that I was craving. Like I, I made sure that I put moments in there that kind of were, were the mortar between those big heavy brick moments that I was going through. And then, you know, as, as the, as the, as I went through that process, um, 
the shape and configuration, like sometimes the bricks were nice and plumb and square and they fit together and I could just sort of like stick them together with a funny conversation or a couple tweets or have, you know, hanging out with Karen, watching a movie. But then the configuration of the actual bricks changed and they became, the, the rocks became less likely to be able to fit together a nice 90 degree corner. So I had to find other things to make the mortar stick together. So talking with different friends, um, having different experiences. I had to have different elements around it, spending time with my sister. Like there were different parts that kind of created the mortar between. And then my father passed and the wall, that moment, the thing that I was building, the sculpture changed again. I had different materials to sort of put together. Some of them very alien, some of the pieces I didn't think I could stick together. So these big set pieces of work and play, I had to find different moments of mortar, different experiences to put together sometime around there. I think I started podcasting, probably met you. I started doing things differently at work. I changed jobs in the year that my father, that next year, that's when I went to Access. It's transformation. There were things that happened because my materials either looked or were different. Looked, felt, or actually were different. So um, I never made that connection, Michelle. If you're still out there, I appreciate that. Thank you. Two thumbs up, Christopher. Saturday therapy. <laughs> Decoded. Clough just got decoded, yo. That's what we do. We talk about breaking things down, building things yeah. up. You know? I do. I, I don't know about you. I, I just, I'd rather not be at work, even though I love my job. And I guess maybe that's why I'll never be a millionaire, because I'm not, I'm not interested in uh, spending all my time working. And I know there are people like me and there are people not like me. Um, but I will say to you, the work I'm currently doing, I look forward to doing. So if I have to go back to work, I like what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I think what sucks for me is the routine switch. That's all. Going from routine B to routine A again. It kind of hurts, but um, other than that, like bump in the road, it's not too bad. I don't know what else to say. I mean, uh, I hear what you're saying. I, I want to comment about this whole people getting ready for a break and then feeling so great about it, but there is no flip side for some people. There is no then get ready to go back to work and feel good about that too. There's just negative attached to it. And I, I think if that's happening, you need to look at why maybe and try to discover if there can be any shifts there. Just um, like to help yourself and your mental state because that's key. That's key, you know, with this whole COVID thing, so many people have said to me, they're like, I'm just so close to like mentally being broken. And they're like, what do I do? And I'm like, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do to build that back up. I don't know what that looks like. And I'm not the system. So I don't care if you need to take time off or if you need this, like, I'm not the system. So like, I don't care. The system seems to care somewhere along the way that, you know, you can't be at work or whatever. I don't. Um, you got to do what you got to do to to make sure that you can play the long game because i think a lot of people were playing they weren't looking down the road and seeing how their behavior 
and I guess their thinking process was leading them to a bad place. And when I mean bad place, I mean it was leading them to a place where then they were, they had no fuel left and didn't know how to refuel. Um, I would not like to be in that position. So I'm constantly these days, I guess my focus is on what can I do or how can I do it? Because it's not about what you can do because I'm doing stuff all the time. But how how can I be more intentional about what I'm doing and how it's going to benefit refueling me? So certainly over this break, I, I, I'm not feeling like I need more time to refuel. I think I just, it's just be nice to continue to not have to worry about deadlines or waking up at a certain time or whatever. That's all. But that's what I'm saying now because I'm in the middle of that, right? But I'm sure next week when we talk, it will be back like I switched into routine A and we're just going along smoothly in routine A. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, maybe. We'll I see. think that's I think and again, I'll just go back to I think that's 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 the shape. It's kind of like that's the shape of the question I was asking is that and there may be no value there. Maybe maybe people don't want to know. Maybe they don't want to know when they're ready to transition between what they consider to be structured and unstructured time. And that's why I'm going to kind of just use this as kind of really generic terms, structured and unstructured. Unstructured, I guess, could be perceived as extra time because you haven't, but by the definition, it's just because you didn't actually plan for it. Um, it could also be when you're efficient. I guess, no, I guess it's still the unstructured is still, there's a discovery kind of thing, but you can also have extra time, I guess, if you decide to sort of build your life that way, as in you would say every week from four to five, I'm going to do nothing. I don't know what that would look like, but you, you I'm going to do nothing because, you know, me as a human, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do nothing, but I'm meditating. I'm going to do nothing, but I'm just going to sit and stare at the sky. I'm going to do nothing. We sort of say that the nothing is equivalent to not doing work. Like that's what the extra time represents. It's, it's the absence of work. And I would agree, work is an obstacle. It is one of those obstacles, but it's only one obstacle in your day to getting to what your preferred existence is. So I, I'm really working hard to make work a preferred existence. And it's not that I want to be there all the time in the same way I don't want to sit and eat 10 bags of chips. I'm up to the challenge, but I don't want to. Like, I don't, I don't, right? I, I don't think the ideal existence is... Um, drinking 15 coffees one over another after another after another though i really love coffee so part of it is the in the same i would say how do you know how do you know that you're you're you've had enough break is it's very similar of understanding my myself how do i know when i've had enough coffee how do i know when i've had enough chips how do i know when i've had enough of this podcast today with you and you and I do this. We'll tell each other flat out. Sometimes it's like, I got to go. Sometimes we don't say, and we just say, I got to go. And then sometimes we just keep talking until we feel the natural ebb and flow. And like, okay, I guess, is that the podcast? Yeah, you know what? I think that's the end of the pod. We're good. And that's a very, that's it. That, there we get into that existential space of knowing ourselves. And I'm not, I won't judge it either way. If someone says they need more of a March break, they are not ready to transition to structured time to work. That's cool. That's for them. 
I would still ask them though, is what was the thing that, what's the thing that makes you notice that you haven't had enough? Or what's the thing that you notice that you have? The thing that I know noticed for me that I have had enough of a break, if I can even say this, is that uh, for me, it crept in. There's, um, I started thinking about um, moments in my day started to creep into lesson design. I'm like, oh, I got to make a note of this in my journal just so that I kind of include that in there. Or right now, what's what's really meta and messy is the play that I'm in speaks heavily like one of the major one of the major theme not themes even like drivers of the story my character owns a map store so i'm constantly and my character is constantly <laughs> constantly framed by the what what they say is concrete about the world because they're saying that you can have a map plan and you can follow the map checklist and get to a destination a summative so me playing this character is just lighting up that whole idea about being able to when you do have structured time that there's an assurance that structured time is going to lead to something successful my character in this play is all about that and it the play it it takes place during the 80s in new york city um aids epidemic within the gay community but it parallels one of the intentions of the director in doing this. It parallels our COVID response right now. And my character in particular doesn't want to go out, doesn't want to meet people, doesn't want to do anything that sort of would jeopardize their existence or jeopardize their structured time. There is no weekend. There is no unstructured time. And as soon as unstructured time happens, it's like it's precarious. It's dangerous. One, because going into unstructured time is unpredictable, but two, in an unstructured time where happiness could happen, that's become dangerous too. Because that means you lose happiness in order to come back into structured time. So the whole, <clears throat> my pursuit, I guess, maybe the question comes out of the play, but I think it comes out of a genuine sort of like thing that I hear often. People arrive at Friday and they'll say stuff like, oh, I just barely made it to Friday. Or they get to Wednesday and they say, I'm so, I just need a weekend. I need a weekend. And I'm always curious about what's the thing that people notice about themselves that lead them to say something like that. And do they have a certain thing that allows them to come back as in they've had their unstructured time. Now I'm ready to go back to work. I am refreshed. One last hook. Remember the conversation that we had with Ramona and that one principal that didn't notice that they were burning out, breaking down, and they ended up, you know, they left school and, and had to leave school. They had to leave the system. And part of my takeaway from that, I forget that principal's name. Maybe you remember the principal's name. But they were very sort of open and honest saying the problem was that they didn't they didn't notice. And even when they did notice and the evidence was being presented to them that you now need unstructured time, a.k.a. no work, they're in denial. What about my school? What about my commitments? What about all these people? What about da, 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 da? But they weren't seeing themselves. And the reason I mentioned this is because they came back to education. So there was something that they noticed that they said, I'm now ready. I think it was six months. Am I remember that? They said they were away from work for six months, seven months, something like that. And they're now, in order to be back in that space, they've had to bring some of those therapies with them to make sure, one, that they're well, they're maintaining, but also I'm imagining so that they get a better early warning system when they're no longer maintaining. So that's my wellness maintenance 
Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I don't even know where to go. Um, I mean, I do. There's lots, so many directions, but I don't know if I want to go. I don't know if I want to go there. That's fine. Again, we know when we know. Or you know when you'll know. 16 ounces. 16 ounces, baby. Dude, I had 24, and I'm down Mm -hmm. to nothing. Come on, start chugging. Let's go. It's true. (laughs) Old man pee-pee time. What? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You talked about your play. I want to hit on that before we go. Sure. How, How have you been... How are you feeling about adopting this character? Are you, is it, is it feeling good? Are there, um, I want to know, are there tensions um, of, of you becoming the character? Mm. Or is that even how it works for you? Or no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, it's, it, you can. There are elements of it. Uh, different. I, 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 my process is I'm constantly aware of where I'm being triggered by the play. That's just what I would say right now. Uh, constantly, like um, where there's a line, a movement, uh, some business, an interaction between myself and the other actor, where I'm like, okay, that was so you. That was so you that did that right now. Like, as in that's oh. Chris talking to Chris. Um, and then other times where I'm like, and that can create dis- discomfort, and that can actually, at the same time, you can be uncomfortable and comfortable with that, right? And then there's other times where I say, that's totally the character that's acting that way. Um, and I'll give a for instance, one of the stage business things that I have to do is go over and slam a book down out of the, the other character. I, okay, so Carl, I'm mine's Jody. Um, but I also have to mention it's Luke. Luke is the human. Okay. So it's, but this is, this is the, this is the thing, right? So my character, Jody, gets suddenly and explosively upset at something that Carl says. Now I'm constantly, my, my character is, does this. But because of who and what Carl is, I'm constantly getting bounced like breakout. Like I just never get to stay in that middle ground that I've established for myself. So that's Carl's effect on me. So Carl has a throwaway line and I come up on his left side and I slam, he has this large book open that he's sort of just kind of leafing through and I slam it shut and, and, and deliver one of my lines. That bit of stage business works for Jody. It scares Clough. And I'm having, I have to find a space for that to work because I'm not the person to go and slam somebody's book out of their hand. So I'm in that space of noticing how I'm built. It's like kaleidoscopic, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm doing things. I'm being given permission to be, arguably it's still me. I'm not, I'm not releasing my responsibility. This is still, I get it. I'm not saying like, I'm not compartmentalizing. Well, that's only Jody doing that. It's the, it's the friction. It's the mortar between those two brick moments where I'm taking a square brick and putting a round rock and trying to make it work as a wall. So I'm having to do a lot of mortar work around that to make sure that I don't deliver that as Chris, because if I do that as Chris, if I do that as Chris, then I'm going to, I'm going to pull up on the moment and it won't look real for, like it, it won't seem real. Right. 
So I'm in that zone now of <laughs> split consciousness. Like I, I'm aware of this character being developed of Jody and the, and his independence, the character's independence from who I am. And it's, it's sort of a little bit of that entry level. And I have no grounding in this, but I'm imagining this is entry level for other individuals that have sort of tightened up their acting craft and why someone can play a murderer. Like someone can actually play someone that has done something really horrific. Um, it's I'm not at the spot of having to compartmentalize because this character of Jody's giving me nightmares and you know, like it's not creeping in. Um, I'm not feeling unwell because of it. I'm just aware. I'm now aware of this character kind of looming uh just on the periphery of a Venn diagram, just on the periphery, because there are elements of Jody and me that are similar. There's uh, but in, in yeah. That's all I'll say about it. There's 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 things that are similar between Jody and I in the way that we're kind of lensing our separate lived experiences. Um, I'm just mindful of what's going in the overlap of similar zone in that Venn and how it is also important for us to have separate kind of like um, separate a separation of qualities. Yeah, it's it's yeah. <laughs> and I'm enjoying posting up my process. So anyone listening right now. Um, I'll be putting up uh, post five today, and it's about stage fighting. Oh, what What do you mean stage fighting? Like fighting? We have there's a there's like a physical. There's a sword fight. Yeah, it's a sword fight. Yeah, I know you can. There's a sword fight in the play. It's sort of like it's a it's a moment of of lightness in the play. Oh, gotcha. Um, where uh, where we're just messing around in the map store, in my store, um, and it's but it's a sword fight, but but building it's funny to make to make a fun sword fight like literally like buccaneer kind of sword fight the seriousness with which to sort of build so we're not going to hurt each other like you right so you're building the skill you're building a very technical skill to very technical procedural skill of stage fighting with swords in order to make a very natural playful moment look real on stage mm -hmm. right so even in that I'll mention you know like me as Clough, like I have memories as a kid, like running through the forest and beating my friends with a stick. Like that's what we do. Like we run like, you know, Lord of the Flies, feral children. There's a lot of forest near my house and we pretend and imagine and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Game of Thrones to each other, which would end up with one of us, you know, I'm bleeding. Okay, keep playing, right? So it's a little bit of that, keep that sort of like playfulness, but just in adult bodies inside the actual map store. But I can't play it as Chris. I have to play it, right? Dude, who owns a map store? That's the that's what's killing me right now. Jody, know, Jody owns a map store. I How will do tell you, make you money selling maps. Very good question. Very good question. And you know what? I've had to construct. I've had to construct the backstory for Jody, which I can. I will share with you. I don't want to share here because, but if you want it, it, but, but it would kind of, it's not spoiler alert. And it's, this is another kind of funny thing about doing these posts, right? Like me doing my reflective posts. I'm so hyper mindful of making sure that it's just Easter eggs and teasers. Cause if someone is listening to the post and they want to come see the play, I don't, I, it's like, I'm, I'm sort of like teasing expectation, but I don't want to give away, plot plot like plot things right mm -hmm. so but it is funny the whole um the why of the map store 
is is never directly said in the play. So I did up um, this week, I did like a two and a half pager backstory of what led Jody to be selling maps and having this connection with Carl, which is never expressly mentioned either. Like you as the audience member are jumping into a moment in time in their relationship that doesn't give a lot of stuff beyond the bookends from the moment, you know, the curtains go up to the curtains go down. You're just getting a glimpse of it. So in order for that to be rich, right. Um, you know, you're not standing in the kitchen. You're not standing in the kitchen watching the chef make the meal. You're arriving at mealtime. So how is it that that meal as a production is enough for you to sort of have your mind expanded to sort of feel emotional moment, sort of, you know, have a sense of yourself or reflective moment. How do you connect all of that? And then you're not sticking around for the dishes. You're just there for the meal, but that's the best kind of metaphor. I can tell you, like we having to do a lot of work of prep the mise en place around it to make sure that when audience come in, audiences come in, that they're satisfied with the slice of actual story that they get, because it's very clear that other things have happened and will happen outside of this particular snapshot. But that's, that's a movie too, right? Right. That's a movie. I think you just become more hyper aware of it in a different way when it's actually two humans on stage. Like your ability to suspend disbelief, which is kind of a a key component of seeing any kind of media or reading a, a book or, you know, watching a movie. It's almost like we're more willing to do it when it's a film, like a movie. There's di very different challenges when it's live on stage, when you're actually in the same room as the performers. Like it's a different challenge. But when you get the audience to suspend their disbelief and they're actually watching two humans, in some ways it's easier if you do a good job of it to forget that you're in a theater because you're right there within touching distance of that human that's doing, like I said, having a sword fight. Um, so, so just my last question about do the it. play. Mm -hmm. When you say that you've just written a backstory for this character, mm -hmm. is this something that you personally felt you needed to do to help uh, maybe make this character more robust in your mind as you're the one playing Jody? Like, is it important for Clough to put together something about Jody's backstory because it helps Clough become Jody better? Yeah. Well, it's uh, what it, what it came out of for me, it, it, there's, there's sort of stages of, I guess, script work where you're handed that script You've never read it before, so you spend time just reading it um, cold, like you're assessing like a teacher. You're trying to sort of almost impartially, you start it impartial. I mean, maybe you know the author, you know, the the playwright, maybe you've heard something about the play, maybe, maybe, but the actual words on the page are quite dead. You're just kind of going through structurally, what's the stage direction, um, if there's any uh, text elements, font, bold, you know, bold, caps, that's kind of thing, right? And then eventually what happens is layers start being put around that text. Um, so you're you're getting up and moving. So you're now adding direction and business and blocking to it. So blocking is just, you know, the technical term for how do you move around the stage? What do you do while the words are being said? Actually, blocking typically is how you move. The business is what you're doing. So you can, your blocking could be, as Clough is talking, he moves from stage left to stage right. The business would be 
as he moves from stage left to stage right, he's going to be whistling an Imagine Dragons song and staring at the sky. So you kind of have, and then business tends to be um, the filler, the filler when you're not directly, necessarily directly interacting with the other character. So for example, if you've ever gone and seen a play and there's two characters at the front of the stage and they're talking to another, talk, 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 in the background, there might be people sitting at a table pretending to talk to each other and drink a drink. That would have all been decided. Even though they're not the ones that are acting, that's their business, right? Server comes up and someone indicates, yeah, I can have another round. Like that's all kind of like the smaller things where it doesn't involve a major move. So that happens, you know, in the process when you get up on your feet and you're walking, holding your script. I had a very important kind of, I guess it's a transformational moment, but it's a summative moment where in the middle of us walking, walking, blocking, doing business, I looked up in the middle of a scene and I sort of noticed, I actually saw the other actor, but I, I saw the actor as the character and I felt like I was playing my character and it kind of rattled me. Like I didn't, it was like a, a bit of a stunner. So I, I realized it's like waking up from a dream suddenly. So all of a sudden I was like, oh crap, I'm actually on stage. I'm holding a script. Wait, am I the character right now? And then you get a, a little bit sort of like, there's a little bit of a confusion there for me. So it was in that moment that I realized I needed better character. Remember I talked about that middle line. I need a, a, I need a bandwidth to kind of wrap around these moments that will help remind me and allow me like an artifact, a mental, um, what's it called? A, a mental... Part in addition to the mental toolkit is I need something that will help anchor me to this character so I can't be pulled out into Chris. And one of the ways that I've done that is create the backstory. So part of what that means is, am I constantly accessing the backstory as I'm like interacting with the other character? No, but I think I just needed something more chunky to understand and to stabilize the character. And the, so that, so that, so, at me as the character in that scene has to have connections outside the play. You as the audience member, I'm answering questions for myself that I think the audience might be asking themselves. I just need the answers for it. So for example, you might be, you'll like the beginning of the play starts quite kind of abruptly. So you as the audience member might be thinking, well, what the hell happened just before this play started? Or I wonder what happened just before this play started. Or I wonder what were they doing over there behind the curtain? Like, was that just the actor walking in or was that actually part of the story? So I have answers for those. I have answers for those. So that's the sort of superstructure around the play. And I've made it about to the halfway mark, even as in, cause plays have scenes, right? So I've had to create between the last scene and this scene in a book, time just changes. Three little dots on the page. All of a sudden you're three months later. I've built in what's happening in that time between so that me on the inside, I feel like I have a better flow through the play. You might just be seeing um, like I'm, I'm, I get, I'm deciding what's happening when you close the fridge and the light goes off. I'm, I'm creating the story of what's happening in the fridge when you're no longer there. So yes, necessary to me, but I'm also hoping that it's an investment in just making the character more, for me to be better at helping you to suspend your disbelief if you come see the play. Does that make sense? Yeah. Thanks for answering the question. Yeah, that was longish. So that's good. Uh, you have a chair sitting on a planet 
with a bunch of stars around us. Tell us about your pick. For anybody listening to the podcast, you're like, what the frig just happened there? Mm -hmm. This is anybody who listens often knows that near the end, mm -hmm. Chris holds up a picture and I just start talking about the picture. Yep. And sometimes I don't say Chris is holding up the picture that he drew. So Chris just held up the picture and it looks like there's a chair on a planet. It looks like the moon to me. I don't know why. And there's stars all around. Do you want to tell us about that, Chris? Um, no. Yeah, I will totally. <laughs> um, I think part of that part of that I started. Well, I started making connections between the play, but I also started to think about the whole. Um, when you were talking about like, where are you? Are we, like, are you? <laughs> are you dead? The "Are you dead?" quote about where are you and me talking about leaving the house and just kind of going off and doing stuff. I don't remember if this was in the pod, but. Sort of like that recognition that uh, changing routines and somehow when other people aren't really tracking how you change your routines. So if, you know, if I've decided to go on a road trip on a, on a Saturday morning, I might get a text from you saying like, yo, what are we not casting? I'm like, well, I decided to change my routine today. I'm halfway, I'm halfway to Aurelia or something like that. So I, I started thinking about just like that idea of, you know, the empty chair being like, where's that person? Um, that is also something that, plays out in the play right like the i won't say exactly in there but they the play is called lonely planet so just a single chair with nobody sitting in it <laughs> on a planet um yeah so there's a couple different things kind of cracking off there cool well yeah. thank you for sharing i obviously would like the play to be called lonely big planet <laughs> i know i know we've talked about that yeah the little big planet, lonely big planet, lonely big planet with the little character, maybe wearing a spacesuit. I don't there know. There we go, sack boy. Sa that's his big... name, a eh? sack yeah, boy. I think okay. sack boy looks like a little stitched together sack. Got it. Um, well, this was fun. Thanks for thanks for coming on and casting today, not changing your routine. Um, but you know what's interesting is that because I kind of know you, um, I don't think I'd be that surprised. If I got a text saying I'm not casting today, I'm in the forest. I don't think I would. Um, that's just the way we roll, I guess. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's, I good. Think it's a little too loose. Sometimes mm -hmm. I think our cast is a little too loose, but that's for another day, another okay. time. Um, well, I wish you a great startup back at school with you and your family. Um, Hopefully. And I wish you, I'll, I wish you continued success. <laughs> no startups here, baby. Continued success. No startups. As you, here, as yeah. you, yeah, as you transition from an excess of unstructured time to an excess of structured time. It's it's that switch from routine B to A, there and it, I don't, I don't believe for me it'll be as um, jarring mm -hmm. as it may be for my fifteen-year-old. <laughs> same with my kids be as jarring for me but um and if they hear this episode they're like whatever dad like it's not that pie in the sky so i'm waiting for pushback if they ever actually listen to this pod yeah that's another thing i've been when if ever will they discover this and start listening to it ever mm -hmm. who knows i don't know but you know it would be a great i wish that something like my dad had something like this. Mm. I would love, I, I'm at the point in my life where I would love to be able to 
just sit and listen to my dad talk. Mm-hmm. Maybe watch him and see like how he how he moves, how he um facial expressions, stuff like that. It'd be kind of cool. Dude, we've talked about this though, right? Like we don't want the best of us to be in found footage. So I, I think part of part of the work here, yeah, I think that's part of the work here is making sh- making sure that uh, for me, wherever we kind of push each other on this pod, that I'm trying to integrate it into the the you know the time when we're not on the pod. So, because yeah, it's funny. Um, I, I get that. I would like to. It, there's something in me I would like to have more media from my dad, like something like that. I have a lot of stories like he was he started writing later in life so i have those things um but i also like that artifactual thing that you're saying dude they're gonna have a lot of stuff to listen to five years worth that's gonna be an investment if they decide wherever we end this doing our back catalog it's a full-time job who knows i don't know i wish i had i have nothing from my dad i don't have Mm -hmm. There's no writing. There's no, um, like, even when we were getting into, uh, so my dad passed away in 2001. People weren't, it wasn't common at that time, or at least from my perspective of people, you know, having devices, recording people all day. Mm-hmm. Now, we did take a lot of photos. We did take a lot of photos because my sister worked, my sister worked at a photo lab. So processing photographs was not like it was a joke, you know, like mm-hmm. I'd be like, Hey, I need some film. I'm going out with the guys I'm going to take some pictures. And then it would be two days later, all the photos would be ready for me kind of thing. So we did do a lot of photos, but like now we're living in the day and age we look, you and I are recording every, every Saturday morning, you know, an hour, of just talk about life and teaching and being dads and stuff. So mm-hmm. our kids definitely have access to things that we, I just, it'd be neat to have access um, to just get a flavor from my dad was like when I wasn't around, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do. I totally get it. Totally get it. Okay, well, this was uh, Season 5, Episode 25 of the Decoded Podcast. Have a great week, Clough, and we'll talk to you later. You too, dude. Ciao. Peace.